time for Lickin' On Lending. Welcome, everybody. Good to have you with us. Welcome to Lickin' On Lending, a weekly mortgage market update providing up-to-the-minute information on interest rates, loan programs, and hot industry news, all related to the mortgage industry. Brought to you by Transformational Mortgage Solutions. To participate in today's program, our guest call in line is 646-716-4972. Now here's your host of Lickin' On Lending, David Lickin. Let's begin. Folks, I'm really excited about this interview we have and going to share with you today, in part because Mark and I are a couple of old guys, and we look at this industry, we care about its future, and its future is going to be found in the up-and-coming leaders of our industry. And we are interviewing today Melissa Langdale. She is the new uh, President Chief Operating Officer of the Mortgage Collaborative. I want to talk to David Kittle about her, and they were interviewing it. He was so excited about Melissa. So, Melissa, welcome to the podcast. Good to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. It's a real honor. Mark, you and I, when we had our pre-call with her, you too got excited as we think about the future of our industry. You and I both got a sense that there's a future leader here with her. Already a leader. Yeah, we, we sure did. We sure did, David, because we talk a lot to people who have been around 30 or 40 years, and they've made it to some sort of pinnacles. I don't think Melissa's even started her story yet. <laughs> You've got so, so much in front of you, Melissa. I, I hope I live long enough to see you accomplish all the things I know you can do. Oh, thank you. Yeah, and it is a really good story. And let's start there. For You are well-known already in the industry. But some have not had the privilege of getting to know you. So I'd love to hear your story. I listened to it over dinner a couple of weeks ago. I loved how you got involved in the industry. Give us your story. How did you get from where you were to where you're at today? Like most mortgage professionals, I did not go to college for mortgage banking. <laughs> My degree is actually in health administration. I wanted to manage hospital systems. But the reason that I wanted to do that is because I'm an Uber nerd. I have a very strange gift for numbers. And I wanted to do something that I felt like I could have an impact on my community. And healthcare just felt like that naturally for me. And my parents were both in the mortgage industry. I grew up around it. And I adamantly did not want to go into the mortgage industry because I had an opportunity to see the craziness that they dealt with every day. But when you go to college, sometimes they don't tell you that you can't actually get a job with a degree that you just got. And without a master's degree, I graduated and my parents were in desperate need of help. I also needed a little bit. I needed 12 months in between of like work history in between my undergrad and what I wanted to go back to for my graduate program. And so I told them that I would go to work for them for 12 months. And that was it. That was all they were going to have for me. <laughs> and three months into working for them, I was a processor. And one of our customers called me after closing. And she called me crying and let me know that she was a first time home buyer. In fact, a first generation home buyer and her family. And that this was the legacy that she was going to be able to leave her children. And it hit me at that moment, what an incredible impact that this industry has. And I came to my parents that day and I said, this is it. This is it. I'm all in. I want to learn every single thing that I possibly can about this industry. And they both looked at me like I was crazy, but said, okay, go get them, Tiger. And so I have worked really hard, really since that moment to learn as much as I can about the industry. I have 
been in operations, I've been in sales, I've led areas and regions and divisions. And then almost, gosh, almost six years ago now, uh, I started a, a mortgage uh, company from the ground up for a community bank in North Carolina and have taken my experience with building that from the ground up to join a, a fintech startup in Austin, Texas, and then have just joined, as you mentioned, the Mortgage Collaborative to continue to share that passion for what our industry can be and the history of what I've been able to experience over the last 20 plus years with a large group of peers that can help to make that a reality. So I'm very excited. We're excited to have you both coming in with great talent skills into the industry, I mean, into TMC specifically. And I referenced on an earlier podcast that you're a real spark plug. And when we were at the dinner, you heard that and you said, Dave, you need to put, is that a good thing? And I go, yes. And I say, here's why it is a good thing. A spark plug is what makes the engine run. You can have all these elements. You have cylinders, you have full fuel, and you have all these elements ready to have something happen. But it doesn't happen until that spark plug ignites all the elements. And I meant that as a very complimentary metaphor for you, because I do see you as that. You are igniting a lot of exciting things. And one of the things you talked about at dinner that night is we both share a passion for process and how we see many of the processes in our industry needing to change. Because when you can go buy a hundred plus thousand dollar Tesla or a Mercedes or any of these other cars and walk out within a few minutes or maybe within a, an hour or so owning a depreciating asset that moves around versus buying a asset that is anchored, bolted down to a piece of foundation, we've got a ways to grow as an industry. And a number of us have been trying to do this for years and years, and there's so many headwinds and resistance to it. So that's why I call you a spark plug, because we are looking forward for you to ignite to make this next thing happen. So I'm very excited about you joining in a leadership role with an organization that I'm extremely excited about. Both Mark and I are familiar with and members of TMC, the Mortgage Collaborative. And I think it'd be good to tie some of your history, which by the way, I should put a full disclosure, Mark and I are the same age as your parents. So that's why we're, we can easily refer to you as the next generation. I can't wait to meet your mom and dad. I love how you have a dedication to your family. And it's so obvious when I talk to you, your love for them. You said you talk to your mom at least every day or something. I think that's just as awesome. It's the family values that are at the core of this country. And I, that's just another thing that won my heart over to get excited about you. But let's talk about how the intersection of TMC, its history, and then how do you believe you can affect the future of our industry through TMC? Well, TMC is about 10 years old now. We just had our 10th anniversary. I joined in 2018 as a lender member, as I was helping to build out that mortgage brand for the Community Bank in North Carolina. And I joined because I had a couple of mentors that anybody that's been involved in a startup, right? You don't know what you don't know. And so I had a group of mentors that I was probably wearing out on the phone with all sorts of questions <laughs> around, oh my gosh, what's this whole best efforts and mandatory thing and all those things that yeah. you can 
are, are thrown into is you're building something and great experience. They said, I came to them eventually and said, I'm probably really annoying and, and wearing you out at this point. Are there other people I can talk to that, that you would suggest? And actually one of my mentors said, you've got to go talk to the mortgage collaborative. And I did, I went to my first conference and, and joined a collab lab, which is, uh, these are groups where executives get together and discuss everything about their business. And, and it has mm-hmm. been, I will tell you something that's so valuable to me as I was building that out to have a group of kind of peers that were experiencing similar challenges or had gone through it in the past and could help me to benchmark our progress, benchmark how we were doing and help us to grow. And so, I got really active, very passionate about the mortgage collaborative and the value that it can offer to lenders and joined their lender board in 2001, I want to say 2000, 2001, and have been serving them as, as much as I possibly can. And obviously just took on this role. And so I, I share all of that with you to share. I, I have the privilege of being able to be in the mortgage collaborative in a very unique way over the last couple of years and see how it's continued to, to seek to add value to lender members and in a very different way. I've been to lots of conferences. I've been able to experience all of that over the last 20 years and their conferences are so different. They're not rooms where you're talked to. They're rooms where you're in the room with. You're in the room with peers. You're in the room with other executives. You can bounce ideas off of one another and really collaborate through challenges and problems that your business and our industry are seeing every day. And it, it has been um, privileged to be on the forefront of, of seeing their progress over the years. And that's what I see TMC doing in the future as well, right? We've got the, the opportunity to help our lender members to drive down the cost of origination. You and I talked a lot about that at dinner, right? We, as an industry, I think the last number I read was about $13,000. Over 13,000. Yeah. Yeah. To originate alone. And so we should be doing something as an organization to help drive operational efficiency. And we also should be looking for ways that we can help them to gain extra revenue as well. And so our organization is going to be focused in kind of those areas we also have a bunch that's changing in our industry right now with buy merge credit, right? We're a huge shift for our industry and to operationalize that is going to take a whole bunch of our lender members. And I, I would love for us to also have kind of an advocacy arm. And our MBA does an incredible job of having a pack and doing these wonderful big things that can help us to have lobbyists and speak to our industry's needs with senators and congressmen and representatives. I want us to have a really strong relationship with policymakers and decision makers that can help our small to mid-sized lenders that are a part of our organization to have a greater voice in helping our regulators and policymakers to understand the impacts of some of the the pending uh, decisions that are happening. So, And you were uh, recently back in Washington, D.C. On that note, I encourage that. I think a lot of people say, what difference can we make? You can. It's amazing. And you experience that. Talk briefly to that, if you wouldn't mind. Yeah, we had an opportunity to meet with FHFA, CFPB. We met with Freddie, we met with HUD, we met with Jenny May. We had an opportunity to meet with agencies, meet with GSEs, and all of that was really valuable just to have an opportunity to speak to the things that are impacting our lender members the most and voice our thoughts around buy merge credit and the implementation of it to help them to understand that 
we don't need just Fannie and Freddie to do it, to implement this at one time. We also need Jenny, right? We, we can't just have a part of our business moving in a direction and the other part of our business moving in a different direction, right? If we're going to implement something that huge as an industry, we, we really have to make sure it's a coordinated effort. And so we were able to speak to those things and got great reception around it. They are working really hard in a coordinated effort to make sure that my merge implementation will happen as an industry rather okay. than as Fannie and Freddie need it and then Jenny following. So I'm very excited about that. That's very good. Mark? Well, so many people talk about growth and development through organizations and most people focus on hopefully the right things, which is people and organizations and what they've done in their past and how they build upon it for the future. If you had to dissect the Mortgage Collaborative and look at what things the Mortgage Collaborative has done in its past, that it not only should continue in the future, but build upon and expand in the future, what would those things be? One of the things that I mentioned earlier was Collab Labs. They're incredibly valuable groups and they group together peers of like-sized companies. So you're really in a group of peers and you have a group that you can bounce anything off in the industry. And so those are seen as really valuable. I think TMC has also done a fantastic job of putting together conferences that bring people together, that bring thought leaders together, that can help make sure that they leave with such valuable content that they are able to implement things in their business that can actually take it to the next level. And let me think of more, our working groups. I guess oh, yeah, the working groups, really good. Fantastic feedback on our working groups where, again, you're, you're put in a group of peers, but like we have an operational working group, we have a cap markets working group, we have a technology focused working group where you're able to take your head of operations and they're in a group with all other head of operations. So they're really specific questions that can be asked in that group. Uh, we have a CFO working group and an HR working group too. Even things like that, we've got working groups for. So those are all really valuable and things that we've gotten fantastic feedback on and should and, and will continue in the future. One of the things that David referred to you when I was driving to have dinner with you. David uh, said, hey, here's what you can anticipate. And I'm talking about Mr. Kittle, my good friend. And he says, she is a thinker. And I really value that. It sounds like your dad and I are very similar. He was a top originator, creates energy, just gets things going through just a strong, great personality. It sounds like your dad's got all of that. Uh, I'd like to hope I think I have that. But one of the things that comes with that brings sales to an element, but we need thinkers. When you're thinking about our industry, what are the things that you think we need to focus on immediately to have the biggest transformation of our industry? That's a really good question. I will tell you, I, I, I think about this a lot. In fact, over the last 20 years that I've been in the business and the 40 years that my parents were in it before we have not changed the process. We have had this traditional kind of baton passing process where we take the file as a loan originator, we throw it to a processor who scrubs it up and sends it to underwriting, who sends it back to processing, who helps the customer to get what underwriting needs and sends it back to them. And then it's clear to close and we send it to the closer and we like the whole industry goes oh. through the baton passing yes. process, right? Yeah. And, and it has worked for us for a really long time. So please don't get me wrong. 
and we haven't. But, it, but it's worked for us, but it's not created the most successful borrower experience. We fail as an industry. When you look at the number of borrowers that come back, I'm sure your parents were an exception to that, but the number of borrowers that come back to the original lender they got their last mortgage from, it's abysmal. If you look at this from that perspective, we have a lot of room for improvement on this. And I agree. It served us to this point. It's time for change. I think I do agree with you. That can always be improved on. I think there are brilliant loan originators out there who are fantastic database marketers and relationship builders. They have this incredible success rate of repeat customers. I think over the last probably five years, particularly since COVID really hit, right? Consumer expectations have shifted drastically, right? If I can order something on Amazon on my phone, right? And Mm -hmm. have it delivered to me in two hours, right? You think about what it takes to make that happen. Amazon had to anticipate what I needed, place it in a place that's close enough to my home and have a driver that's already en route for them to plan out how to make that happen, right? Logistics, yes. And this is not an easy thing, anticipating needs and placing it in a place where people actually need it. Like those are really complex things. But if Amazon can do that at scale, like at massive Massive scale, scale. yes. why does it take 30 days to get through the mortgage industry? So consumers don't understand it. They don't understand all the things that happen behind the scenes. They don't understand why it takes that long. And I think this is an opportunity for us as an industry to rethink how and why we do things and rethink should this process be the consistent process? For example, we have income documentation as soon as the customer gives it to us, a pre-approval, yeah. right? Yeah. We have pay stubs and W-2s in most cases. We sometimes get tax returns if they're self-employed, right? But why don't we have an underwriter underwrite the income then? That's certainty, right? right? That would give the customer certainty that they could actually qualify for the loan. There is often a pretty significant variance in what kind of The customer tells us the loan originator calculates the income, and then we calculate the income as an underwriter or a company, right? There is variance in that. And having that certainty upfront for a customer can be really meaningful and valuable. But what if they didn't even have to give us a pay stub? What if our industry got to the point where we just integrated directly with IRS data and they gave us their social security number, which they already do, right? For all the verifications. And we pull it for them and say, thank you. You don't have to give us this documentation because we already have a direct-to-data integration with an agency that we know can trust that reduces the risk of our industry. It creates a better customer experience and gives us an opportunity to create operational efficiencies in each of our organizations that can help us to do more loans and to, to help our industry to scale better as well. Yeah, I like everything you're saying. Maybe on the IRS, as far as an institution, we know, we definitely know them. Do we like or trust them? That might be one for debate that we could talk about. But the point of it, you make a really good point. It's there. Why can't we access things differently? And really where you're going, Melissa, is really technology as an industry. And I was very encouraged that you have a real interest in technology. You're thinking about it and the innovation that we can get to. So I would like to get your vision based on 
for Mark and I, we've been in it 50 years. It's a year, 20 years into it. I love a fresh new perspective. 20 years may not sound new and fresh, but it is for Mark, old guys like Mark and myself and your parents. You've got some new ideas. You're seeing that you've already referenced Amazon. What can we do? What are the steps you're going to take there? Sounds like a political campaign. What are the steps if you're elected president? <laughs> but you are the I, president and you are got the job. So what are you going to do? I, I think our, it's much easier said than done. Yes. Our, our industry is not able to shift drastically like this overnight, right? We we do have some movers and shakers in the industry that are trying to make a difference and I applaud what they're doing. Yeah. Uh, but holistically as an industry, the only way to create scalable operational efficiency is to combine task-based workflow with adaptive integrations, right? Yes. We, when we have the data, we make a decision based on that data, right? We calculate income. We understand the reserves that a customer has based on the assets they have. Maybe we just use their bank statements and calculate the income based on their the bank statements that we see, right? So we have the ability of creating workflows that aren't necessarily the traditional baton passing and right. we have an opportunity to leverage more and more direct-to-data integrations that can help us to not need as much from the consumer because that's it's it's tough that back and forth. It's tough on them. It's tough on us from a timing perspective, right? We have to wait yeah. those couple of days over the weekend for them to gather the documents, to send it back, and then we have to review it. Like those are days that are lost in the process. And aggravating, downright aggravating when, especially when you see how some lenders go about this process. I, I get excited about companies like FormFree, which has that within the form of a repository with a passbook is what uh, Brent Chandler talks about, that there's a new innovation coming out that's really bringing that out. One of the things that I was impressed with the TMC conference at the Fountain Blue in Florida was we had... And these weren't even TMC vendor members, but they had new vendors presenting every so many minutes and they presented at an innovation. I can't remember what it was, but it was, that was two, two companies that I'm invested in, Kelk and Milestones presented there. I didn't even know they were presenting there. And, but I was really encouraged. That's a good example how TMC is not only just they promote clearly their vendor members, of which we're proud to be one of them, but you're also bringing in new up-and-coming vendors to present at TMC. These are, that's a brilliant idea, and I just want to applaud that. What are the things that area that where you see, and I don't mean to put you on the spot, but where you see some low-hanging fruit when it comes to this? You've already talked about income verifications, how we need to make that where we're not hassling the borrower about it. They have busy lives. They got kids to go to soccer and they're trying to buy a house and they got all two incomes, kids and the Binks dual income and with kids. And we're, we've got all that happening. What is the low hanging, low hanging fruit that you see that we can go after? A lot of people are already doing that, right? They're, they're yeah. starting to the waterfall income verification providers and, and those sort of things into their point of sale systems. The, the um, challenge though, is that there we can, as an industry, as, as fintech companies kind of release new ways of doing things, right? We can release products that help to create efficiencies for our team, create a better customer experience, but customers also have to trust it. This is the biggest financial decision that they're yes. ever going to make, right? And uh, a lot of times we have to like, 
the, the platforms that allow us to have direct to data integration, they have to go through a process to give us access to that, right? And so they don't, there's still this kind of natural fear that a customer has of if I give them my password, is it okay? Do we, am I giving the lender the password? Am I giving this vendor who's between the lender and then the password? How much access do they have? Is it forever? Is it just for 30 days? Yeah. Those questions that are going into their brain around, because we have this kind of pulse and fear of people stealing identities and all of those things that happen to consumers. Oh yeah, very real. And so we not only yep. as an industry have to create great solutions, we also have to bridge the gap of consumer adoption. And, and that kind of, we have to be able to build trust in these products that we're pulling out and help people to understand uh, what it really does mean for them. So I think any kind of low-hanging fruit that we have, I, I think companies are making progress on that daily. I'd say we need to focus on, on as an industry on bridging that gap of consumer adoption through building trust. One of the things that I've heard a lot, and I believe it, is that one of the biggest problems you have in any industry, including ours, is people who can tend to be reactive rather than proactive. But proactive has a, a two-edged sword on it because if you're proactive without effective and efficient information to help you be proactive, you can be more dangerous than being reactive. So how do you feel about that? I know you're supporting technology, but if you had to put it on a percentage amount, what percentage of information are we receiving now that we need to receive to do the best job possible? Were you receiving 30% of what we need or 70%? Kind of a measurement across the board. What's your feel from that from your time in the industry? Uh, Mark, that's such a great question. This is a little bit of the evolution that our industry is going through right now is as kind of yeah. these data integrators are, are seeking more and more financial institutions to have access to as, as they try to get um, as much customer information as they can without borrowing or without bothering the, the borrower. I think it is a struggle, right? We're only getting bits and pieces because there is only bits and pieces of adoption with financial institutions. So having the ability of ensuring that we have a broad spectrum of employment, income, and asset verification options is going to be really key to making sure that we have as much information as possible. I, I know some companies that are going through this today where they are looking at ways to integrate in those income, asset, and employment um, verifications. And it is a fraction of the data. And so they're, they're while they are creating um, efficiencies for the consumer and, and it is a better, faster process for them, there's only a small percentage of customers that are actually able to go through the whole entire thing without needing extra information. And those are the really well-qualified customers. But if you have somebody that's in a rural area that's using a community bank that doesn't, it's a smaller institution and isn't integrated with some of those direct data companies, it can be a challenge for them to have all of their information through. Or they work for a smaller company that doesn't use ADP payroll or does one of those kind of bigger providers or doesn't leverage the work number, right? They're, they're having to um, go through the traditional process and the solutions that we have, there's always going to be this kind of pulse of in, until we get like direct to data, right? We're always going to have this kind of pulse of, of customers that we are still going to have to handhold through the process. And so, yeah, I don't know if that answered your question directly. I don't have a number. It, it, I think it does. Yeah. And, and yeah. a follow-up to it is this, we saw towards the tail end of our last cycle, we saw some company startups that were, some of them were near and dear to me because great friends of mine were starting them. 
And they had, you know, they had money behind them for a period of time. And they said, we think we can do this because businesses are so great. But no one saw the signs or what was going to happen in this country about rates and investor pushback and how Jenny's acting on some things recently and all this. And so a number of fairly substantial startup companies started and within six months a year, they were gone. David, a couple I'm talking about right now. Yeah, uh, They just didn't have what they needed to make a good decision. And I'm not sure how you get that information because it's such a collaboration of economists and interest rate people and all these other things that come together. But we got to do a better job of predicting our future. So how do you think we can do that? Oh, goodness. I don't know that I can solve that problem. Uh, <laughs> We'd know. like to have you try. I will do my best, my friend, but <laughs> we've been yeah. trying that for, for a really long time. In the 20 years that I've been in this and the 40 years before that my parents were in it, the cycle that mortgage goes through, we have ebbs and flows. And it's constant and it's not necessarily on the purchase side of things, because I think we have consistently seen relatively consistent numbers and kind of purchase growth over the years or sustainability in purchase volume. It, it's really that kind of reactionary kind of refinance uh, driven volume that our lenders need to be able to serve their customers that they have served in the past and that they can really help in the marketplace um, but it, it's a struggle for a lot of lenders to figure out how to make that dance happen. And so I don't, I don't know that, that I've got the right answer for you on that. As good an answer as anybody can give, I think. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I've got, I actually got an answer to that, Mark. I think the number one thing is when we have thinkers like Melissa now becoming leaders in collaboratives, leading collaboratives, such as uh, TMC, the Mortgage Collaborative, that we have a hope of that through a collective effort and good thinkers challenging, pushing in. And I, I love your style. I listen to how reflective you are in your process. I think that's why you have, and I want to give a shout out to Jody Hall, one of your many good friends and someone who I just recently met who is in your age group, so to speak, Rich Richard Steinberg, which uh, owns the company, RE360, was smart at the hire, another really smart up-and-comer, and that's Jody. And so kudos to Jody and you for you guys working together to solve this next round of problems that we're going to be solving. But I think it's going to be done through a collaborative effort. And I think that's why your leadership now at TMC is probably going to answer. Do we have the answers now? The now? No. Do we have them if we come together through a co-op such as TMC? And the answer is we certainly have a lot better chance of coming up to that. And I'm really excited about your leadership there and uh, what you're bringing to the industry. You're 20 years in. You've got 30 years to catch up to Mark and I. And we're looking for great things, as Mark said at the beginning of the interview. So very excited to have you here with us today. Melissa, thank you so much for being here. Really uh, honored to get to know you. And I'm just a little feeling a little extra privileged to know that you're here in Austin. So we get to work a little more closely together. So thanks for joining us today. And congratulations on your uh, appointment and being hired by TMC as the, the new leader. Thank you. Thank you so much, David, for having me. It was a pleasure to be here. Melissa, and, uh, just remember, you can and will make a difference. Oh, thanks, Mark. You can and will. <laughs> Very good. Thank you so much. Listeners, download this and share this. Become a part of TMC. They are doing some great things, and we're excited to be a part of it. 
You've been listening to Licken on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update with your host, David Licken of Transformational Mortgage Solutions. Join us next week, and thanks for listening.